Bastamai, good evening, I'm Lewis Foster and welcome to part two of this two-part Island Life special looking at Isle of Man-based addiction charity Motivate. Last week we spoke with peer mentors for the charity, Joe, Jason and Chris. Tonight, for the next half an hour, we'll be speaking with other members of the group about their experiences with multiple forms of addiction, how it feels to come to Motivate for help and tackling a stigma right here on the island. Please be aware that tonight's programme contains discussions which some may find distressing, including substance abuse and suicide. Motivate has served the Isle of Man since 1978 and is now taking approaches to become more visible in the community. So let's start by speaking again with CEO Thea Ozanturk and Motivate fundraiser Nicola Brown. We don't have a waiting list. Mostly people reach out to us via the telephone. More commonly now as well through social media. There's several ways they can get in touch with us. They can email, text even, and we have a promise to respond within 48 hours. Generally, we respond the same day, unless unless it's the weekend. Initially, people generally come to us on a one-to-one, and that's fine, and that can continue. And some people say, oh, no, no, I really don't want to do groups. You know, and for some people who perhaps, as I say, we, we touch every social strata, people come to us who have high profiles and so they want to remain anonymous and that's absolutely fine but for some people they really benefit from the groups the recovery movement that exists I think it was close to one and a half thousand attendances at the recovery groups last year or the year before it's roughly around about every year so it's 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 this kind of underground movement that's going on but we want to open it up now so that even more people can be aware and know the support Is that the key word, awareness? Because you're not the only charity I've spoken to as well that said, actually, in recent years, a lot has, I mean, awareness has almost become a household term in the last five years, as far as I'm aware, with many different organisations and causes. Are you seeing your numbers increase in recent years? And and oftentimes when we look at the numbers of people coming forward, we say, oh, it's almost getting out of control, for instance. But is it not the case? Is it just more people as we literally say, becoming aware of the services and knowing that the help is out there? I think it is about awareness. They're aware that we are available for them, but also they are aware that perhaps something that they didn't consider was an issue for them actually might be something that they'd like to talk about and address. And what have the numbers been like for you guys over the last few years? Between 1920 and 20. 21, we saw a raise in 39% in appointments being attended across the board. So that's quite a significant number, directly impacted by COVID and the pandemic, of course. And we're seeing a lot of people now approaching us for, for help. We are starting to raise that awareness and make it more acceptable to have that chat, that first conversation. I have been amazed from that first phone call or that first point of contact we get people through the doors with no waiting list. There's no prescriptive length of time of Mm. care. So they can come to us for a short amount of time or we've got people within our service that have been seeing us for 16 plus years. So it's there as a support mechanism throughout their journey, no matter where they are on that. Mm. Mm. And just on a personal level, how long have, respectively, have you both been involved with Motivate and how have you seen it change over the years? I first started working for Motivate as an apprentice counsellor in 1992. So I've worked for the charity since then, apart from two years when I was a founding member of the drug and alcohol team. I joined for two years, but came back as the manager. 
at Motivate in 2000. So, yeah, um, they'll be carrying me out in the box. It's a, it's a lifelong commitment. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> no two days are the same. I'm very committed to the clients and the client groups. And this now is a really important time, I think, because we're now at a stage where we can really open up and to start talking about this in a more open way and not to see it so stigmatised and, and people being felt that they've been pushed into corners. And, under, you know, it's a, it's a new time for addiction to be out there and to be able to talk about it in the community. Certainly, and Nicola. So I'm in my second month with Motivate, um, and it has been great because it's a new role. Um, I've been able to sculpt what we need to do and how we need to do it, which I think is starting to work. And we're starting to see that work pay off with what we're doing. And I'll try not to make you feel like you're in a job interview now. But uh, what did you what did you feel like? Um, what did you expect before you started with Motivate then? Well, I had some idea of the work that they do with people and with families but I didn't expect what I saw when I came through those doors. The work sometimes that our counsellors do with people that they see, it isn't just an hour session a week. This can be them going to see um, some of the other services that people need to get access to, down to the food bank. We work with a lot of services together to bring people forward. It's not just an hour session. This is support for their lives. And we'll move on now because we spoke when we were speaking with the group last time. A couple of, of the of the members there mentioned how they'd had run in run ins with the law over the years as well. Something you mentioned yourself, Thea. Um, it is it's an an experience that uh, that does happen and um so what what facilities are and mechanisms are in place to support those that do have um who do find themselves arrested as a consequence i suppose of their addiction um well we have two schemes um actually three schemes if we include the work that we do with the prison as well um but we have got these schemes with the police that are not funded by anybody the you know they come from uh, the charitable fund at motivate and I'll talk about the drug arrest referral scheme. That's run by a worker by experience. So that's a person who's in recovery, who's employed at Motivate. So we have a, a few people that work at Motivate who are in recovery and have now gone on to become, you know, full-time members of staff. So you're, if you've been someone that's been picked up by the police because you've been in possession of a drug, generally they tend to be younger people. Um, you know, they're just out at the start of life. Um, it is normal, a part of adolescence, growing up to experiment. So, you know, there aren't many people who haven't experimented with a drug, you know, if, even alcohol, tobacco, and maybe cannabis, cocaine. You know, the, the, this is part of youth, youth of today, growing up. And so um, if you've been arrested, you have an opportunity to come and speak to this work about experience. So you talk to somebody who's been there, knows the pitfalls, and that opportunity then affords you to avoid going down the criminal justice route um, and you get an opportunity as well to enter treatment if it is an issue for you so if you need to come and speak to somebody um, on a one-to-one -one and do some work on your substance use but generally they don't need to do that generally it is that education session and then that if you've complied with that that means you haven't gone to court and that means that your life hasn't been damaged to the point where, you know, it stops you from getting a job in the future that you may, you know, be pursuing. Um, going on 
you know, going to America, traveling abroad, all those things that having a, a criminal record for a drug-related offence can, you know, bring about for you. And so it's all about sort of heading it off at the pass, Absolutely. I suppose. And you have you have a worker who, who does that for you at Motivate uh-huh. as well. Yeah. Is, it, is that quite a stretched part of the service? Is there a need for, for more or...? It's, it can be very busy. I mean, last year there was 117 of those sessions. The year before we had more because obviously the COVID and the lockdown periods, it obviously reduced the amount of times that people would, would have been out and being seen by the police in possession of a substance. So, But generally it's about 150 of those sessions a year. And can I just say that the um, the recidivism or the rate of reoffending is virtually non-existent, so we never see those people again. So it works you know, and again, as I said, it is something about growing up that you experiment, you try new things, and for some people it can go wrong, particularly in a small community. So this is of enormous value, and this is something that the charity runs out of its own funds. Back at that Smart Recovery meeting earlier this year, I spoke with Stephen, John and Stephen about their first encounter with Motivate and what they perceive as the stigma around addiction. I'll start with you, John. Tell me about thinking back to when you first got in contact with, with Motivate and, and, and why you reached out. Well, I reached out because um, I'd finished up at DAT and uh, I was actually sober, but they were a bit worried about me for six months after I'd sobered up. Where was I going to go? So they had to advise me, you know, uh, smart and motivate. So I, I kept backing off and backing off. Same thing again. Who are you going to see? What embarrassment, nervous, and eventually got the courage to actually come down. And I, I don't think I've missed a week since I've been here, and that was five years ago. <laughs> yeah, so it's uh, it's done me quite a lot of help, yeah. loads of help. I've been sober since I've come here. The staff are great, you know, you're welcome when you come in. I see different people coming in, different, you know, they may be relapsed or relapsed, whatever else it is. They get all the, the comfort in the world and they go back on the track and they get the support again, what they get. It's also helped my family quite a lot as well, you know, that they're more grateful for it. If I miss maybe a Monday, come on a Wednesday, they wonder what's going on. So, you know, so they, they fully support it as well. All I can say is really that um, without uh, Smart, I don't think I'd be sat here now. I think I'd be somewhere in a gully somewhere, you know, so it's done me quite a lot of good, yeah. How much of a safety net, I suppose, is Motivate? You mentioned they, if you miss a session, they'll reach out, they'll come out uh, and say, where, where are you, John? Are you coming along next time? Is it, yeah, right, it's yeah. like a, almost like a family connection, right, isn't it? It is, yeah, it is like a family, yeah, it is, yeah. You know, and, uh, as you say, once I leave that door, like, that's it, you know, it's, uh, we're, we're different, it's a different world in here than what it is outside, sort of thing. Well, that's, that's my personal thing, it is, you know. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it's, it, as I say, it's, uh, it's helped, helped me, uh, you know, immensely, and, uh, I'm very grateful. Are you from the Isle of Man, born I'm, on the Isle of Man? I'm born in the, the Isle of Man, yeah. Yeah, I am born here, yeah. And I was drinking probably 20 years, you know. Well, not supposed to say it, but I'm alcoholic for about 20 years. And uh, I just decided enough was enough. And it took me quite a while, it took me about 18 months to sober up. I want to sober up with the help of it, obviously with ease, with all the courses they do as well. Yeah, I've been sober for five years, you know, and it's, uh, um, that's, you know, I'm really grateful for it. And my family are as well. And I'll move to you, Stephen. And I know you're vegan so far. <laughs> First thing I know about you. But um, tell us a bit about uh, about your journey to where to where you are sitting on the sofa today. Then, well, my journey started back in 2012 when a major event in my life ended up in prison for three years. Um, I'm a gambler, 
my gambling addiction was really serious. It lasted 11 years in its height, losing lots of money. It led me to taking money from my employer at the time, a lot, and I say I ended up serving three years in, in um, prison. I had help at the time from, they were called, it was Gamcare at the time, who now associated him, we called Motivate, we brought in Motivate to help me. Um, I had help soon, as soon as I went to prison, I had help for months, went into classes, had individual help talking about therapy. My problem was when I came out, I thought I could help myself, which you can't, I realised you can't, and eight years later, after being no gambling, I crashed in 2020, when lockdown first happened. Mm -hmm. That was the biggest effect for me, having nothing to do, being sat at home because we were in lockdown for three months and you say crash yeah i i think the boredom of mm. having nothing to do because i realized my addiction was it's related to my addictive personality you're always on the go your mind's always whirling around and it's um you need something to do and without having anything to do and other events in my life i had three separate events that brought my life into meltdown and i went looking for and way out, which was my gambling. Six to eight months later, everything crashed again. I sought help with Motivate, and ever since then, I've been coming back to the meetings, and the help I've had has been amazing. It's changed my life, it's changed my personality, my family's life, because they're the ones who suffer as well. Friends, it's just made, made me a much better person. So do you feel like you owe a lot to, to motivate almost? Yeah, I owe everything to motivate because you need motivate. You realise if, if you don't accept that you're not an addict and you want to get help, nothing's going to change. You're just going to keep going the way it is. You'll keep relapsing, going back in, relapsing, going back in. But they help you realise triggers, just what you need to change in your life, I, I've had help with. And I, I owe them everything because I'm far much of a better person now. My family life is so much better. Everything in my life has changed. I feel amazing now. I felt low. I felt suicidal. I've come close on occasions, but I've never had that thought ever since coming back. So now I owe them everything, definitely. And you said when you came out of prison after those three years, you, you felt you could get better yeah. on your own. I imagine that's quite a common feeling when, when you first start on that path to recovery, you think, I'll, I'll tackle this by myself. It's something I think we can all learn, isn't it? That there's never any shame in coming forward for help. In daily life, we need to reach out for other people. Is there, but what barriers do you have to overcome in order to say, I can't do this on my own? It's a realisation that if you're in the height of addiction, you become someone who you don't see it, you don't um, realise you are that person. I become a, you become a horrible person, you lie, you'll do anything to hide everything. It's, and it ruins everyone's life, it destroys everything, it destroys your life, you get ill, and you just gotta change. And I'd say the biggest thing I've realised is when you realise you, you're an addict of anything, it's accepting it. If you don't accept it, then you can't change. And you've got to wanna change. If you don't wanna change, then it won't work. And I want to change for myself, but also for my family. And you've got to look after yourself. If you don't look after yourself in life, I've had to change everything about the way I, my life has become. In regards around money, regards around relationships, everything. And work, work. If you're not happy in life, everything's going to come crashing down again. 
and that's the biggest thing. Thank you, Stephen. And I'll move on to you now, Stephen. So take us back to the first time you got in contact with Motivate as well. So it was about three years ago, I'd hit complete rock bottom. I think I'd always had an unhealthy relationship with alcohol, but I felt that I was in control of that relationship and I wasn't. It got to the stage where I ended up, I was in hospital and I had to self-refer to DAT, which is the drug and alcohol team. There was about a two to three week waiting list to see DAT and being at rock bottom, I felt I needed help immediately. So I came to motivate and the beauty of that was as soon as I walked in the door, I seen a counsellor just to, to sort of say where I was at and to say what services they offered. I went to a meeting that night. I never thought that I would go to a meeting. I never thought that I would share publicly my innermost thoughts and feelings. Went to a meeting that night. Uh, there was somebody there that I knew, which actually made it a lot easier for me because I thought, I'm, I'm not in this on my own. And then, so I've been coming. I go to one meeting every week. Some weeks I go to five meetings. And again, we motivate. It's not just around the addiction side of things. They've got... They do stuff on dealing with depression, dealing with anxiety, sleep management, which all kind of tie in. When you get into that addiction, depression is there, anxiety is there. It's difficult to say what comes first. Does the depression lead to the drinking or does the drinking lead to the depression? But it all ties in, and it's just continuous learning. So I was alcohol-free for two and a half years, and then a couple of months ago, I had, I had a lot of stuff going on. So I did have a drink. Uh, it was one night and I was able to come back in to motivate. There was no judgment. There was, there was nobody you know, looking at me as if to say, oh, you failed. It was just all-out support. That's, to me, what, what the place is. It's just support from the, the staff, from our fellow attendees. Even in t- 2 o'clock in the morning, you know, if you're, feeling, if you're feeling rough or you're feeling anxious, there's always somebody available for you to speak to. And you mentioned how... When, you, when you're at rock bottom, you can feel depression, anxiety, those kind of things. How much of a, an uplift in, in your mental health did it, how, how did it age your mental health, I suppose, when you started sharing those feelings with other people, um, perhaps these people around you? A hundred percent. I mean, I, I'm, I'm Scottish, obviously. I'm from a generation where we don't really talk about your feelings. It's, everything's bottled up. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't speak to my family the way I speak to people in this room. I wouldn't speak to close friends the way I speak to people in this room, but I can be honest and be open. And it's not just about being open and honest with people in the room. By saying it out loud, you're being open and honest with yourself. And that that gives you the realisation that, you know, you, you can change. The beauty here as well is, just say, some of the people have been here 16 years, you know, 16 years sober. That's... That's massive, and that, that's great to see that. And it's also great to see somebody who comes in who's a week sober because you've got both sides of the spectrum there. You've got something to aim for, you've got that experience, and then you've also got the reminder of, of what life was like, and you can then encourage them at the, the start of their journey that you, you're two years in. At the beginning, two years seems unachievable, but it comes around pretty quick. And you were saying 16 years. So to meet guys like Chris, how much of an inspiration is that? Oh, Chris is a great guy. Uh, he's got a quote for everything. <laughs> he's got a quote for every occasion. But yeah, I mean, he, Chris has experienced a lot. Not just Chris. Joe's seven years. There's 
I couldn't even tell. There's probably about, just in this room alone here, there's probably a good 30 years mm. of sobriety. So that's great. I understand it was your idea as well. You mentioned about the stigma that can often surround these issues. So tell me a bit about how that stigma has affected you and, and what that stigma is as far as you see it. For me, from, it, from the earliest I started coming, I was honest with everybody. I'm very open. Stigma-wise, I personally think that the stigma is getting better. I think it's every person with an addiction that affects, I think it's six other people. So there's very, very few people on the Angle Man who haven't been touched by some form of addiction. So I think that most people now have been exposed to some form of addiction, whether it's themselves, a family member, or a close friend. There's a lot more people talking about it. There's a lot more on social media. There's a lot more things on television, like so of uh, Paul Merson, one that he's done about gambling. So th there's more people talking about it now which I think is great to get it out in the open. But is there still a lingering attitude that looks down upon people in recovery and, and people suffering with addiction as well? I mean, I think it's a difficult one because e even before I came to, to Motivate, my idea of an alcoholic was an old man sitting on a park bench drinking wine out of a brown paper bag. Mm. And I think some people still think that's the reality, but that's not the reality. The reality are that there's people who, who go to work every day that are struggling with, with addiction. There's, you know, very, very successful people are struggling with addiction. You mentioned social media as well. And while you say that can be, like you say, a force for good and it gets people talking as well, there's also, undoubtedly, every, everyone's experienced it, a negative side to social media. Do you think there's a dark corner where things can turn sour online? I mean, I think social media in itself is an addiction for a lot of people. But in terms of my experience of social media, I've not seen anything negative on social media in relation to, to addiction. It's all it's all positive, as yeah. far as I've seen, but that doesn't mean to say that it is. I'll come back to you, Stephen, as well, and we'll talk about that uh, that word again, stigma. And is it all about being able to admit when, when you are, when you do have a problem and when you want to come forward for recovery? Is it a personal stigma as well? Yeah, I'd say it is. Um, me, myself, when I first come in and I first come down to my first meeting, my perception of what I was coming into, even though I was a normal guy, was I'm coming into the lowest lows. Mm. That's what I honestly think. And it's horrible to think that I thought that at the time, but from what I met when I come in, they were the loveliest of people, most warm, welcome people, and the biggest smiles on their face when you first come in, and they help you to open up so much. They're from all walks of life, and it's being in with people who you have an association with, which is an addiction, helps you so much because you can talk they understand you don't get that from any of your friends because they don't understand unless they have an addiction they open up about it and they are honest with themselves no one understands even my family would find it hard so when we say the word stigma are we talking about a lack of understanding from others and the almost the fear that somebody like you say isn't going to understand and by coming into these groups are we breaking down those walls completely yeah, by coming into the groups, we are breaking it down. But And I'd say, you get, like Steve said, we are having so much more positive on media, like like the Paul Merson thing, I found that was amazing. And I'm hoping, because I've, met, I've, I've reached out to him to see, with my story, I'm waiting on him coming back to see what help I can do. I just want to help people who have had a similar addiction of anything to help them realise themselves don't be afraid to share. Don't be afraid to be honest with yourself. You've got to be honest with yourself to realise 
you want to change. I think social media can help with that. When I went to get help, I knew I had a drink problem, but I didn't think I was an addict. And it was only when I went to meetings and whatever, I re found out that I did have it. I wasn't an addict. I think you try and deny it, you know, and then everyone around you tries to deny it. Well, they know, but you don't know. And once I come to that, them terms that I knew I was an addict and I knew I couldn't drink again. Well, I could, but I knew I had to stop. Uh, that, that, that helped me quite a lot, you know, and I only found out from coming to like meetings like this and seeing different people the way they was as well. And that's what it was. But as you say about the stigma, it is hard out there, you know, when, you, when I first stopped, you know, I didn't want my name mentioned, I did a few charity things, and I did a bit of poetry, this, that, and the other, and it was always a blank underneath. Now, I, I don't care, you know, but it was, it, and there, even uh, a relation of mine, I said I was going to go public on something, and he asked me not to, he says, you know, and I said, I, too, I said, no, I won't go public. My wife said, go public. Mm -hmm. So I did go public, and then two days later, he come in and shoot me hand, he said it was brilliant. And he was like that as well, he, the stigma. But he actually come and shoot me hand and he said it was brilliant what I did, you know. So, yeah, it, I think it is getting better, but it's just going to be great. It, it's going to be more publicised and, you know, I think that's what it, you know, as yourself being here as well. Like. I was very grateful for John and both Stephen's honesty around their experiences and for that too of Charlotte. I first got in touch with Motivate as a one-to-one -one with a counsellor. I'm very slow learner, so I came for many years gradually learning a bit more, a bit more to accept my situation. I knew from the moment that I'd started drinking that that was my problem, but I didn't really want to stop. I just wanted to stop the chaos that had come through it, which saw me as a result of things I'd done while I was drunk. I'd end up uh, in prison here on the island and also been hospitalised very many times. And then I also realised that it wasn't just about drink, as you've heard people share here, there's other addictions. And I realised I had a problem with prescription drugs as well. So I've been able to look at all of those issues. And I think what really helps with Motivate now for me is that they support smart meetings. I train to be a facilitator for smart, which doesn't mean I'm a counsellor, just helps stop any bun fights in a meeting, which never happened, so we're yeah. fortunate. And I get a lot of that myself, because I think as it's been shared, I think I had to come to a, a, a point in a, my mindset where I was ready to acknowledge that if I didn't drink, actually there was hope and I could stop and I could rewire my brain to be able to learn to enjoy life or live life or deal with life in a more constructive way. And that's what going to the SMART meetings has helped me with. So I don't have a counsellor anymore, but I know I can ring anybody and motivate any time I'm struggling. Yeah, I'd like to say that um, I also would have been five years sober, but again, I made a mistake last year um, for about a month back in the summer and I ended up in hospital again but I was able to always come back to meetings and never judged in fact people gave me a hug and welcomed me back so the support is is massive the meetings at Motivate wouldn't be possible without its workers who often have a wealth of experience and knowledge of addiction themselves two of those are Louise and Mark I've been working here, well I first started with the Smart Recovery Groups, um, Thea helped me set those up in 2013 
Um, and then I started part-time with Motivate, or volunteering first, then part-time, and now I'm a full-time worker. Yeah, yeah. And what do you see on a day-to-day basis in terms of the, the growth amongst those smart meetings? How, how does it feel every, before every single meeting and before every, every single meeting, I suppose? Is it, is it a heartwarming job to have? Oh, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, all these guys in here, I've seen them come to their first meeting. I've seen them grow. I've seen them, you know, develop into the people they are today. And it's, it's just great to see. Yeah, really great. Okay, and yourself, how did you get in, uh, involved in Motivate and to, to end up where you are now working? Um, similar story to Louise, really. Came, came through as a volunteer and then he ended up getting sort of part paid for it in line with my benefits as it was at the time. And then Thea took a chance on me and gave me a, a full-time paid role here. So, yeah, it's just gone from leaps and bounds, really. So why did you come on as a volunteer in the first place? Um, uh, my journey's a bit like Jason's. I had to go away and do a bit of recovery, a bit of work on myself. And at the end of it all, you know, I was like, oh, how can I ever thank you? And they were like, you go out and give what we've given you to other people and motivate, advertise for a support worker here. So I thought, well, I'll go for that role and went in, did the interview. I mean... I wouldn't have been able to have done the interview without the, the work I'd done on myself in the UK. I became a peer mentor myself in the UK and whatnot, and I kind of knocked it out of the ballpark. Needless to say, I didn't get the job, but, <laughs> you know, Thea recognised that, you know, there was something there and gave me the voluntary role, and like I say, I'm a paid, paid up member now of a Motivate team, and yeah, it's just, it's great. And how rewarding has that process been for you? Like, same with Louise, seeing, seeing people in day in, day out and, uh, and knowing the journeys that they're on and, and seeing the, the likes of, of Chris and Joe and Jason becoming peer mentors as well. Is it, uh, do you recognise that journey? Totally recognise that journey, yeah. You know, it's, it's just amazing to see, you know. Um, I've, I've been there myself. Like I said, I was peer mentor myself and we've rolled that out here at Motivate and we're, we're seeing other members come through and hopefully in time to come you know they're going to be able to help people and we're seeing more the occasional funding we had the lottery trust funding as well the other week and that's going towards peer mentoring training up um, more people to be a part of that is that is that what's in your mind a lot of about getting people onto that next step where where you guys are as well yeah definitely i mean we've got this great space down here like the group work program here so it's it's about giving people that opportunity, creating a recovery community, I think people have mentioned before. So it's just getting people in recovery or who want to be in recovery together and getting that connection. And, and, and it's just going to build and build, I think. Well, I hope it is, yeah. And what, what would you like to see for, for Motivate itself? More, more, pe- more volunteers, perhaps? More people coming forward? Yeah, just more people with, with experience. Like, I think, was it Joe said, it, or Chris, it was, it, it was some, you know, just speaking to somebody who's been there and um, knows what you're going through. Um, I th- think people find that really, really helpful. You know, um, I see clients on a one-to-one basis as well, and I think they appreciate that I can understand where they're coming from. I can understand how they feel, and and I've been there and I've done that, and I've come through the other end. So it gives them a bit of hope as well. I would like to think, yeah. And tell us how you set up a smart meeting. How it first started in the island. Yeah. Um, well, I. Like Mark, I went away off, off island. I was in, in rehab um, and I was introduced to Smart Recovery whilst I was there. Uh, when I came back to the island, there wasn't really any su- support groups like, like Smart. So I um, didn't really know where to start. So I <laughs> came to Thea 
and said, look, this is what I want to do. Is there any way that you would be able to help me? Um, and Thea said she was actually thinking and she actually looked into SMART and was thinking of doing sort of smarting, uh, starting something up. Um, so, yeah, so it just sort of grew from there. I did the facilitator training and we just sort of started with one group a week and now we run three groups a week so yeah and it's just grown and grown we started with one person at the first meeting and then it was Thea and I sat on our own for, for a few weeks on our own but then it just word got out and people started coming and yeah and it's just grown to what it is today and it's all down to these guys really as well yeah and is that what it's all about just having those meetings there regardless of who's going to turn up whether it's one person or like you say so when you when you it was just yourself and Thea sat there was there any thought that you thought oh maybe we should pack it in or was it no almost build it and they'll come that kind of mentality yeah, no, it was, it's definitely that build it they would come you know we knew that it, it would happen you know once people knew it was there I think and it was getting that sort of out there and yeah people started started coming in and they've never looked back I hope and mm-hmm. you know people have been coming for years and they still come like Joe said she comes once a week and that's her her thing once a week she still comes after all these years so so yeah I hope it gives that people and then they give people they give back as well you know to to other people that are coming coming through yeah did you ever expect it to grow to three a week no <laughs> no I thought one one a week would be thing in the evening but now we've sort of started it in the, the lunch time so we've, it's various times so people can it will fit into people's daily daily lives you know yeah. And is it the same group every time or do you keep it to just the time and anyone's free to come? Anyone's free to come. There is a sort of format, so it's it's not going into life stories or anything like that. We sort of it concentrates on the here and now, um, gives tools that are CBT based to help people in their recovery as well. So it's just a, a general sort of check in and then hope and tools as well to, to help people along the way, whether it's coping with urges, building motivation living a balanced life or whatever they might be struggling with that week you know there is a tool for them and by focusing on the here and now as you mentioned it does that help and and not like you mentioned not saying life stories all the time but uh by focusing on the here and now does that help when when people do have have a relapse perhaps and and have to come in and say i've as as it was put by charlotte falling off the wagon again Mm -hmm. does it help by saying not saying how how's your journey been all along but how are you doing today how are you doing this yeah. week is it it's because it's a day-by-day thing yeah, yeah. definitely I'm, I'm if people do come back after a lapse or a relapse it's not about beating themselves up it's saying what can I learn from that you know what happened what was leading up to it how was I feeling what was the situation thing and sort of getting them to learn from it to move forward rather than than going backwards yeah It's almost time to end, but I want to leave the final words of the man we heard from last week, who many have described as an inspiration, with 16 years clean, Chris. I think, you know, you can say that marijuana is a a gateway drug or or any of the what might be termed as lesser drugs, whereas as a rule, um, it's normally trauma is, is the gateway, hurt people, hurt other people people assume that addiction is in the blood whereas it's not you know I mean I've only just forgiven my father now for how he treated me as a child but he treated me basically with the tools that he had or was given when he was a child so hurt people hurt other people and the thing is gift of trauma is empathy and so that's why we all love helping each other because um we we know right and and we love to put that stuff back in you know um, because we want to motivate and us want to do it 
If you'd like to speak to someone about the issues raised in tonight's episode, you can reach Motivate by calling during working hours between Monday and Friday on free phone 0808 1624 627. Or you can email contact at motivate.im. That's M-O-T-I-V and the number 8. I've been Lewis Foster and thank you for listening.